Gonzaga Nation SI, the final four recap from the games on Saturday. What a weekend of basketball pageantry for anybody who loves college hoops. The women's final four wrapped up um, with a incredible game where South Carolina beat uh, UConn in Minneapolis. Uh, watched some of that game and it was pretty dang good. When you look at the execution, when you look at the excitement, um, it was it was fun to watch. So, congrats to South Carolina uh, and their women's basketball team in getting that championship. But back to the men's, New Orleans is the place to be uh, for the Final Four this season. Uh, ended up not going. Was initially planning on going, watching the games in person, um, bringing you some updates in person. But um, watching it from home on TV, um, you still felt the magic of the moment um, for these four teams, especially for the second game that I'll talk about with Duke and Carolina, where it was Coach K's last game where it's been talked about over and over again. But first, Kansas-Villanova. Um, Kansas got off to an incredible start before they finished off with a 81-65 win over Villanova. But when you, when you think about uh, what Villanova did um, to climb back into that game, late in the second half, it was really impressive because Kansas jumped on them from the start. Uh, Obaji got hot early, I believe four threes in about the first six, seven minutes of the game. Ended up uh, with a terrific game of, of uh, uh, six of seven from beyond the arc. He had 21 points in all. Um, Villanova really had no match for him. Um, the pace that Kansas wanted to play with was set early, and because they got off to such a good start, Villanova could never control the tempo. They could never get the game slowed down and play um, in the upper 50s, 60s, which is what really they needed it to be in because of their lack of depth uh, after the Justin Moore injury. When you look at Villanova, they had five guys that played over 30 minutes in that game. Um, they only had one sub that played double-digit minutes. So um, fatigue had to have been a little bit of a factor. I, I don't buy into the fatigue factor as much as a lot of people do um, in college basketball, especially in the NCAA tournament when you're talking about um, 18 to 22 year old young athletes. Uh, they're in good enough shape. The television timeouts are longer in the NCAA tournament, so they've got a chance to catch their breath. And plus, you're playing at the stakes. You should be in peak physical condition at this time of the year. Uh, but that being said, because Kansas got off to such a great start, Villanova wasn't able to control the tempo. They had to play at Kansas Temple the rest of the game. And, um, you know, I talked about Ogbaji playing really well. David McCormick was dominant, 25 points, uh, nine rebounds. And, and that was, besides Justin Moore's injury, which, uh, no, he's not a 6'10 banger on the inside that may have limited McCormick. He's kind of that do-it-all guy that did so many different things throughout the season for, for Villanova uh, that they missed him. Um, and he would have had minutes on occasion, uh, I'm sure, on, on McCormick. He would have had... Uh, minutes on other guys that would allow Jay Wright to shuffle the deck and, and, and maybe throw a different look at Dave McCormick at times. But Dave McCormick, I think, was the difference maker. Uh, Remy Martin, who we talked a lot about coming into the Final Four because he's played so well in the NCAA tournament after some ups and downs, um, struggled. He was only one of five from the field. Um, I think he's got the potential to be the difference maker for Kansas in the title game um, uh, on Monday night if Kansas is going to win because he's more of a free-flowing 
look to score point guard as opposed to set it up, get other guys involved, and keep things calm out on the floor, guys. But, you know, hats off to Villanova on a great run. Uh, you can't say enough about what Jay Wright does in Philadelphia. I mean, they've won two titles over the last 10 years. They've won the most NCAA tournament games, I believe, over the last seven years now. Um, you know, they don't play a deep roster every year, but Jay Wright finds guys that fits, buys into his system, and then executes his system. You look at, um, we've talked a little bit about um, Jermaine Samuels over the last few weeks. We talked about the, the absence of Justin Moore because of the injury, but, you know, he finds a guy like Colin Gillespie, unheralded coming out of high school, and now he's leaving as Big East Player of the Year and All-American. He finished off his career uh, with another great game. 17 points, 6 of 11 from the field, and 5 of those being three-pointers. So um, at the end of the day, it was a three-point barrage for Kansas where they were 13 of 24 from the field. With the size differential and the way that Villanova needed to play, um, they had to get hot from the three-point line, and they, they did. They, they shot it well, um, not at the same clip, that Kansas did, but they shot more. They still made 13 threes, but they shot 13 of 31 from three. They, they couldn't kind of get enough uh, opportunities to finish inside the three-point line to kind of keep things close early. So Kansas over Nova moving on to the title game on Monday against the winner of the second game. The second game was one of the most anticipated college basketball games that I can ever remember. Um, wasn't there but was excited all day um, leading up to watching it on TV. CBS Sports and TBS Turner, the partners of the NCAA Tournament Broadcast Affiliates, did a tremendous job of, of honoring Coach K leading up, sharing his legacy um, about what he has meant to the game, what the game has meant to him, his place in the game. Um, so all of those pregame shows were really fun to watch. But in the end... It was the upstart Tar Heels winning 81 to 77. You look at this Tar Heel team, like literally four weeks ago, they were on the bubble. Um, you knew they had talent. You knew they they played really well in stretches. Unfortunately, people were questioning Hubert Davis's hire or middle of the way of the ACC, which which I don't understand. It takes every young coach uh, a little bit of time to find their stride, but boy, has he ever found his stride. His guys believe in him. He believes in his guys. He gets them to play hard. He gets them to play with belief. He gets to play them to play with passion, and all those things were on display. I think the biggest thing that I saw with, with UNC is those guys would just went out and played free-flowing. I mean, Caleb uh, Davis, or Caleb Love, RJ Davis, a couple times, you know, they're pushing in transition, and they get an angle, boom, they attack. Uh, they're pushing it in kind of semi-transition, um, they see they see an angle to, to create space on a step back. They, they create it, and, and they're rising up from 23, 24 feet with confidence. That happens by having a coach that believes in you and, and, and having that built over the course of a season in practices and in game situations. And, and so I think the, the, the confidence and, and the, the free-flowingness that Hubert Davis got those guys to play with was tremendous. Um, you know, the one thing to, to kind of – you know, nitpick a little bit about was uh, Duke ran out of timeouts and they ran out of timeouts um, much earlier than, than you would have hoped if you were a Blue Devil fan. They didn't have a timeout in that last couple possessions to kind of mix and match things to get uh, matchups the way they wanted. Um, and, and the foul trouble, 
became an issue um, throughout the game for Duke. Mark Williams picked up two in the first half where he started off, uh, I think, with two interior finishes for dunks in the first couple minutes of the game. Obviously, he's got length at 7-1 on the glass as well as contesting on the interior. Uh, you know, his two fouls put Theo John in the game where uh, he, he's a really good backup, uh, but having him play extended minutes because of his style of play with physical ruggedness, uh, you, you felt might create some foul issues for Duke, and they did. I mean, he picked up four quick ones in the first half, but Duke had no choice. They were they were actually trying to get him out when he had the third, uh, and then he picked up a foul in that very next possession. They were trying to just eke out another minute or so before they got him out, but they, they couldn't get him out early enough. But he fouled out in, 15, in 14 or 15 minutes. Um, and that's so much of it. It was due to, uh, you know, the activity on the glass from UNC. It was the post-up ability of Baycott. It was the pick-and-pop ability where guys really couldn't guard. Uh, those guys, at least Williams and, and uh, uh, Theo John, couldn't guard Manic as well in movement-type situations. But, um, you know, all in all, Duke had a tremendous season. Uh, you, you look at Paolo Bancaro. Uh, finished with um, 20 points, 10 rebounds in his NCAA tournament finale. I, I don't expect him to come back. Uh, he should be a top two or three pick in the NBA draft. Very well could be the number one pick. Um, you know, the Mark Williams foul trouble, the Theo John foul trouble were issues. Wendell Moore had stretches. Jeremy Roach had stretches. Meeks had stretches. Um, but they couldn't quite get over the hump where they had a six-point lead at times. They couldn't extend it to 10. Then Carolina gets back in it, um, and then Carolina made all the big plays down the stretch. Caleb Davis was – or Caleb Love, excuse me, was tremendous um, throughout the night. 28 points. He you know, was efficient, 11 of 20 from the field. I think five of those were threes. Um, I just love his ability to score in different ways. He can push in transition, can't finish because he's big enough. He can shoot it off catch and shoots. He can attack and score off the bounce. He's got transition three game. Um, just a, a tremendous game from him. But, you know, the, the Baycott, I think, was the difference maker. Uh, with the foul trouble that we've talked about with Duke, uh, he was able to just be dominant on the glass. He, he scored 11 a game, 21 rebounds, though. 21 rebounds. I mean, he, that may be the difference right there. Um, besides, the other differences might be, you know, Duke struggled from beyond the three-point line. They were only five of 22 from three, where on the flip side, Carolina shot more. They took 26, but they made 10 of them. Uh, free throws were about even, although Duke um, only shot 60% from the free throw line. In particular, two big Mark Williams free throw misses uh, within the final minute. Uh, but Duke only turned it over four times. So, you know, the, the pressure of Carolina really didn't bother Duke at all too much. Um, but in the end, um, it was a wonderful college basketball game for um, Coach K to be celebrated. Now, many people would have loved to see Coach K gone out with a Final uh, Four championship a title game appearance and then a title. Um, I, I think that would have been great. That would have been poetic. But at the same time, uh, for him to end his career in a Final Four, uh, I think what was, was a great end to his his career I think it was a great addition to his legacy the fact that it was against North Carolina it was his hundred meeting against the Tar Heels where now he's 50 50 all time 
uh, in games against Carolina. It's the first time Duke and Carolina have ever appeared together uh, against each other in the NCAA tournament. I thought it was a unique subplot, something that, I, quite frankly, I would never have known that until a lot of the information and the storylines start coming out uh, in the few days prior to the game. But all in all, North Carolina, a tremendous win against Duke, setting up a very interesting matchup of Carolina versus Kansas in the title game. So uh, come back, check us out. We will be previewing that Carolina-Kansas game later on today on Gonzaga Nation SI.